This podcast is brought to you by Upgrade Fitness, Guernsey's new state-of-the-art gym, purpose-built for gym goers by gym lovers. Head to upgrade.fitness to find out more. Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast, your weekly insight into island sport every Wednesday brought to you in association with Upgrade Fitness. And we have got a bumper pod for you this week. We'll be talking cricket, Guernsey's men um, winning in dramatic style, in fantastic style uh, against Germany over in the Netherlands. Reaction to that, reaction to the, the big news of the week as far as local sport is concerned, Alex Scott's £25 million transfer to Bournemouth. Uh, it was a great weekend for his former club, GFC, as well. Uh, reaction to their opening day win. And we've got a full interview with Steve Lansdowne, the owner of uh, Le Grand Mar, of course, about the golf project underway down there. Um, work uh, in full swing. Um, and we've been talking to him about uh, just what is going to unfold there from a sporting perspective. And it was very well timed as well, because um, it was just the day before that Alex Scott's move to Bournemouth was confirmed. So we we're able to talk to him a little bit about that as well. A um, really interesting interview to come. Uh, my name is Tony Kerr and alongside me, as ever, is Gareth LePrevo. Hi, Tony. Uh, Gareth, yeah, uh, lots to get into here. So I think we'll dive straight in. Um, let's start with the cricket, because that is, uh, well, it's just happened, has it, as we record this. Um, Guernsey 2-1 winners over Germany in the T20 International Series um, over in the Netherlands. Um, they lost the first game pretty heavily yesterday, but bounced back um, to seal a final ball victory in dramatic fashion. And they got the job done today in the deciding match. Josh Butler leading the way um, as opener with 87 from 67 balls to clinch a fantastic series win for the Greens, Gareth. Um, yeah, Germany went into the, uh, the three-match series ranked nine places higher in the rankings. And Guernsey have come away with a victory. Yeah, it's a fantastic um, result, Tony, especially considering that heavy defeat in the first game. You know, Guernsey asked to bass in game one and all out for 98. I mean, that's enough to shake anyone's confidence going into a three-match series. And Germany knocked it off without any problem. They knocked it off in 11 overs, the loss of just one wicket. So to come back from that heavy defeat and then beat a side ranked sort of nine places higher than you in, in the ICC rankings is a, is a fantastic effort, uh, especially by a squad sort of missing probably half a dozen what you'd call regulars in the island side. So that's it's a really impressive result for Guernsey. Yeah, absolutely. Under the stewardship of new captain Matt Stokes, who's taken over from Josh Butler, uh, well, for this series, um, yeah, coming in and, and led his side uh, tremendously well. Seemingly liberated um, Josh at the top of the order as well, who, who had two fantastic knocks. And uh, yeah, we were able to catch up with Matt just a few minutes ago as we record this um, to uh, to find out all about it. Congratulations, Matt. Um, fantastic result um, over the last couple of days. Um, finished off uh, this morning with that decisive game. Um, just sum up how you guys are feeling as a group after after that achievement. Um, well, I think as a, as a group, we're all very elated. Um, I think the last sort of two, three, four years has been quite a difficult period for us, just not being able to get over the line um, in games that we probably should have. Um, and to come from a game where we've lost quite heavily um, sort of, and then to come and win in two different ways, so to chase down a score and then to defend a score against a good uh, German side is uh, very, very ple pleasing. Um, yeah, like you say, Matt, we um, we got sort of quite comprehensively beaten in that first game. I suppose it's sort of a bit the nature of T20, but what was sort of like the message going into game two? Um, I think it was just trust the process um, and just be confident. That's something that I've 
made sure that I've got my message across is just is just be confident and to not worry about getting out. I think in the past we've been a bit afraid to play our shots in case we get out, um, and we've got confidence in each other, you know, to back each other up. And I think that's something that's definitely changed over the last sort of four or five games that I've definitely seen going from jer- from Jersey to this. Um, I think one thing that for us to improve upon is can we hit the blocks running from game one rather than be game two or game three. Um, and that's something that, as a group, we've got to get better at, is identifying bowlers to target, what the pitch is playing like, um, and trying to gather that information quicker. Um, so if we if we can do that, then uh, the, yeah, the teams that we play against, we should hopefully be winning 3-0 rather than 2-1. Yeah, there's some really good batting performances in there, um, not least from yourself, a couple of uh, lovely reverse uh, reverses for six in, in the second game. And, and Josh Butler as well, he, you've obviously taken over from his captain mm-hmm. and with two fantastic knocks, including today. Um, yeah, how pleased have you been to see those sort of big runs at the top of the order in the two games? Hey, no, it's been really pleasing. Um, the fact that in most power plays, we've sort of been 20 for three or 30 for three. Um, and... You know, to get off to a good start in the second game and the third game, it just sets a really good platform. Um, and it's been really, really nice to see Josh um, scoring runs and scoring big runs and quickly. Um, just having that freedom um, at the top of the order to go and express himself. Um, and I think me taking over captaincy has almost given him that sense of, right, I, I can just go out and play and play my game and not have to worry about anything else. Um, and then for me to take over when he was when he got 58, and then I came in, and to be fair, the first sort of 15 balls, I was feeling a little bit, and nothing's quite coming out the middle. Chance my arm on a on a reverse sweep, came out the middle, and then I sort of never ne- never looked back. I thought you'd have another bit of it as well. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was back to back, wouldn't it? I'm quite impressive, yes. really. Yeah, yeah. And then they 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 put a fielder out at deep point. I thought I'm just going to go for this again. So just cleared, cleared him by sort of 10, 15 metres. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of a double-edged sword when you think um, sort of Josh has been liberated by giving up the captaincy, and, and but you've now taken it over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean, so, so far I've had four games as captain. Um, so far it's been, it's been a, you know, we've had a couple of lows, but a couple of re- really big highs, and hopefully we can build on that. Um, and then heading into the intervention, heading into the two Holland A games who are bringing over a strong squad um, from what we've been told, playing at the same pitch. So hopefully we'll take what, what, what we've got, um, the knowledge that we've got of that pitch. Um, it's a little bit sticky, a little bit uh, for the bowlers uh, early on. So hopefully we can use that and really get into them tomorrow and uh, Thursday. Um, in terms of today's sort of third and final game, Matt, um, we obviously defending a good score in 172 and we sort of started well with the ball, but were there a few nerves sort of around, I think about the 13th, 14th over there, a couple of big overs sort of on the trot. Um, and these games, I'm sure, you, as well as you know, um, they can change very quickly. So we, were a few nerves creeping in, sort of coming towards the yeah. Yeah, I think you could sort of see a couple of them when a couple of LBW decisions didn't really go our way. Um, but for me, it was sort of, yeah, just be as calm as possible, not really show much emotion um, and just talk to my bowl, talk to my bowlers. We had plans um, and we knew that with 10 and over, with five overs to go, with overs from Hoop, Stain, Bish, we knew that we had good plans in place. Um, and because we kept on taking wickets, I think that, that was a key part is that we went bang, 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 and they'd never really had a significant partnership like we had. Um, 
and we executed it perfectly um, and deserved to win this last game. And uh, kind of just a quick word for, for the old man of the group, G.H. Um, Schmidt, coming in sort of late notice because of the unfortunate injury yeah. to, to Luke Letizia and um, scoring a nice half century as well today. Yeah, no, he um, first couple of games, he um, no, didn't get off to the start that he wanted to. Um, I think that because Josh was playing so f um, fr freely up at the top, he was just able to play his, his, his own game. Um, and I could sort of saw how much the 50 meant to him because I was out in, in, in the middle and he, um, he sort of gave quite a big fist pump. Um, so, no, he, sh he still wears the shirt with pride and it was, no, it was nice for him to get a hit out and to score a maiden T20 international 50. Yeah, awesome. And you, you mentioned at the top, you know, it has been a really challenging few years, you know, not least just getting, get, kind of getting games on and, you know, with the pandemic and, and everything. Um, but, but going back a couple of years, maybe before that as well, um, for you, where does this rank in terms of um, kind of sort of moments on the pitch in, in a Guernsey shirt? Yeah, um, so I was actually thinking about this last night and you've obviously got the 2014 Interinsular win at Port Suarth. Um, but I think last uh, last night's win was probably my favourite and probably the best I've ever batted in a Guernsey shirt. Um, and the series win is definitely up there with one that we'll, re that we'll remember for a long time to come. And just um, in terms of uh, squad, Matt, I mean, obviously we've done really well in the last couple of days, but we, we've also got probably half a dozen players, perhaps even a couple more, that mm -hmm. sort of come back and, and would certainly be in contention of making perhaps our, our best 11. So um, things boding well in that, in that regard. Yeah, def definitely. I think that because we've got five, six, seven players that could come back in, it's, it's a nice problem to have, um, to have, to have a, a good selection meeting and think who will who will be best for what type of wicket and all those kind of things and we've got three youngsters as well Ollie Clapham Charlie Forshaw and Charlie Birch that I'm sure will get a game over the next couple of days to show what they've what they've got to offer New Guernsey captain Matt Stokes speaking to us there from the Netherlands. Um, yeah, they've got a couple more matches to come. Uh, 50 over games against Netherlands, eh? So really good warm-up um, for them uh, Yeah, ahead of the Interinsula, which is in Guernsey, the 50 over Interinsula on the 2nd of September. Yeah, really impressive stuff. And we, we mentioned the, the sort of back-to-back -back reverse sixes that Stoker hit uh, in that second game um, yesterday. Uh, yeah, really good start to his captaincy. Yeah, he, um, he's certainly, you know, capable of doing that. It, was, it always makes me laugh when Matt Stokes hits sixes because they sort of, they, you can take the mick out of Stokes a bit. He's sort of like, he is Guernsey's best player, but he's sort of seen as very correct. And, you know, you'd imagine <laughs> in sort of like cover drives all along the deck for four. But when he sort of opens up and hits reverses over sort of backward point for six, um, and two in succession, um, it, 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 almost, it just brings a smile to your face, but he's certainly very capable of doing that. And um, yeah, he batted beautifully in that second game after, like you say, Josh Butler gave, gave them a great platform with the first of his two half centuries in the series. Um, and it's just nice to see Josh bat that way. I mean, it was discussing um, Josh with Jeremy Frith after Josh st stepped down from the captaincy, I actually sort of said to him, um, you know, if you take Matt Stokes out of the equation, Josh is potentially your next best player and you just want him scoring runs and best way for him to score runs is just go out and enjoy his cricket without having sort of too much baggage or too much weight on his shoulders and, and he's shown just, just what he's capable of in, the, in sort of like the last not even 24 hours, really, last almost 12 hours. And he's batted really, really well in sort of quite high-pressure scenario there, you know, after losing the first game in a three-match series to come back and 
score two half centuries and two victories is, is just a great achievement. Yeah, I think that's kind of uh, almost one of the most encouraging things, isn't it? Because there have been some demoralising days um, for Guernsey in the last few years, some frustrating days, some... Um, well, some sort of just sort of waiting around for, for the opportunities um, to, to, to sort of play against these kind of opposition. Um, too many games against Jersey, probably. Um, but yeah, just to get through it under that pressure and, and, and get, yeah, two good wins there. Um, particularly last night, um, yeah, it was a, was a real nail biter. But even, yeah, as you said in the interview, um, yeah, Germany kind of fought back a bit in the uh, the third game. Um, yeah, put Guernsey under the pump a bit, put Guernsey's bowlers under the pump a bit. Um, but they fought back and, um, and performed well. Well, yeah, and I mean, Matt Stokes sort of made reference to it that um, he wants people to go out with no fear, you know, the batsmen not worrying about getting out and just going out and expressing themselves. And you look at the, the Guernsey squad on paper and there's a lot of ability there. There's a lot of talent. And you do sort of worry that in the last couple of years certainly sort of perhaps during the pandemic years they haven't had that cricket and they're now going out almost or they had been going out perhaps a bit you know nervous about what what they want to achieve and how they're going to achieve it um now hopefully with these wins it's just going to breed some confidence go out there and play as they they can do as they as they want to i think people like uh josh matt tom nightingale um Zach Damrell, when he gets when he's available, he's, he's not with them at the moment this week. But guys like that, they can score runs almost with ease. You know, when you watch them, certainly in domestic cricket, um, they score a lot of runs, and you just want them to sort of translate that in onto the international stage. And, and they are capable of doing it, as they've shown over the last couple of days. One other player isn't with them is Luke Letizia. You mentioned him in the interview. Um, I think suffered a fairly serious knee injury um, recently. So we wish him all the best and uh, I hope to see him uh, back playing sooner rather than later. Well, yeah, cause I, I, I spoke to Luke on Saturday. He, he uh, did his ACL playing um, six-side football, funnily enough. And he, he did tell me he was sort of like he had never felt pain like that. But he's also now the most vocal supporter of Griffins out on the um, on the sidelines. So um, I'm, I wish him all the best and uh, I'd much rather him on the pitch than have to listen to him cheering off the pitch <laughs> yeah all the best Lua um right let's talk football because uh yeah lots to get into at the moment um we'll start with GFC because uh yeah they got their season underway at Foots Lane on Saturday against Westfield and it was just lots to enjoy uh really a 3-1 win um coming from behind but deserving every one of those um three points because uh yeah they I thought they knocked the ball around really nicely Tony Vance had promised uh, ahead of uh, the season that they were in a position to to perhaps play a better brand of football and um yeah I was there filming the game and I have to say uh yeah I think they definitely delivered on that they really kept possession very nicely um there were sort of two real standouts on the day um obviously Jack Griffin um coming off the bench at 16 for his first appearance and bagging his first goal within about seven minutes to put GFC 2-1 up. Um, yeah, a fantastic prospect, clearly. And um, yeah, someone who really enjoyed that moment. And Charlton Govine as well, who obviously we missed um, for much of last season, uh, came back sort of right at the end. Um, but, you know, it was perhaps always going to be a bit, maybe a bit too much too soon to expect him to, to deliver big things um, straight away in the Marathi and then the Island Games. But but maybe with a bit more time um, under his belt um, going into this one, um, he really delivered. And um, you really think if, uh, yeah, if GFC can keep him fit and on the pitch for, you know, the bulk of the season, it could make a massive difference because, um, yeah, he had sort of two fantastic assists, one with his head um, sort of climbing really high to, to win a header and, and set up Ross Allen for the equaliser. And and then picking out um, uh, picking out the pass for for Griffin's goal, and then making the game safe with a, a yeah brilliantly acrobatic sort of overhead um, 
sort of twirling kick uh, into the top corner. So um, yeah, that was a really promising performance from him. Um, yeah, a fantastic uh, result all round, a fantastic day all round for GFC. And uh, our colleague Simon Deller who caught up with Tony Vance at full time. Uh, so Tony, uh, very many congratulations. Great start to the season. Talk me through the game. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think uh, I said it in midweek, um, the fitness levels and base levels of our team is is significant and that's probably one of the real positives and only only possible positive of the Island Games. You know, um, obviously Fowl, um, that's his, he's a master at it and he, and he got some players to a level that they've never been at before. So we're starting um, on a really good um, standing in terms of physical and, and dynamic play. And what we wanted to do was, was utilise that and, and play the game uh, that the, the, the bodies can take. And, um, you know, first 10, 15, we, we couldn't really get going, a little bit too excited at times. And, and uh, just got a, sort of just started to scram, get into the game and, and start controlling. And then they scored that goal. And uh, I was really pleased with the way um, after the goal, we didn't go back to old ways and sulking and, you know, and sort of feeling sorry for ourselves and doing, you know, non-brave things, you know, so we kept being brave and, and uh, kept pushing and probing and uh, half time the message was, look, we, we're fit in this lot, we're sharper than them, we, we can we can break them down and, uh, you know, eventually we did. Um, the second half, obviously, extremely pleasing for everyone here in the Garen stand and yourself. Um, firstly, a, a, an equaliser from Ross Allen, he scores when he wants. Yeah, he does what he does, doesn't he? You know, um, I think to be fair, uh, you know, the, the goal obviously will be the one that people will talk about. But um, what created the, the opportunity first and foremost was um, was Tom Voden, who drove forward. Thought he was excellent today. You know, really brave, and he drove through, um, broke lines, and, and got us a foul, got us a free kick in the area. The ball was ball was excellent. Charlton's header was was a one. You know, and, and Ross does what he does. Um, and that's what you need, you know. We need. We, we we said at half time that we could break them down. You need a little bit of fortune, or you know, need that goal. And I, I thought once once we got that goal, I thought we, I thought we'd have them. And uh, sure enough, um, obviously it did. Lost to celebrate in the second half. Nothing more so than a goal within seven minutes of his debut from young Jack Griffin. Yeah, um, interesting enough. I think statistically that makes him the youngest debutant for GFC. Um, over a certain Alex Scott, so um, and he's obviously been in the news. But um, you know, look, you know, we, we've got to keep calm, and you know, I, I will, he will, his family will. Um, obviously, all the talk will be about him, but that's what Jack can do. Um, really excited for him, really pleased for him. Uh, we've got to get the balance right, though. We and Sylvans, you know, he, he's going to play a lot of football. He's got to be dipped in and out at the right time, and and um, you know given the challenges at the right time for him. Like today is, is an amazing challenge for him to play at this level of football. Um, he scored. Um, funny enough, I wasn't sure whether to include him today, to be honest, um, because I knew he played two games in the week. Um, so, but in the end, I thought, well, OK, I just had a feeling that he might do something. Um, funny enough, similar feeling, that gut, gut feeling I had about Tim Atsion and uh, look what happened there. So, um, so no, it's good, but, it, you know, We'll, we'll, we'll keep calm about it, you know, as I said, lovely family, lovely guy. And, um, you know, as I say, between us and Sylvans, we'll make sure that um, he goes on the road to, to the right the right way. It's, it's about Jack Griffin. It's not about anyone else. And it was a, a calm finish to the game in a way because uh, Charlton go on and put the uh, the seal on it with that overhead kick. Were you about to take him off? Yeah, it was, yeah. Um, kept asking him. Charlton always says, I'm OK. 
uh, give me another five minutes, give me another five. And we were about to take him off. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And then uh, obviously when he scored, I'm glad we didn't. But um, uh, And then he sulked when I took him off. But um, yeah, it's important about protecting him as well because um, he can get excited and when he gets tired, um, lunge a little bit. And, um, you know, so we got he's so important to us this season. He, he's a massive player for us and a massive part of how we can play. And, and that's why we're playing the type of football we are because, because of him, really. And finally, what does it mean to get three points on the board at the first time of asking? It's not something that Guernsey FC, FC have done all that often, I don't think. No, I mean, I, I, I think that's probably about 27 points needed and we've survived. So um, that's the way I look at it. Guernsey FC manager Tony Vance speaking to Simon Delarue after that one. Um, yeah, brilliant performance from the Green Lions to kick off their season. Um, they're away next weekend and then back at Footslane on Bank Holiday Monday. Um, so I'm sure supporters will be uh, already looking forward to that one after seeing what they did on Saturday. Now we're going to talk about one of their former players uh, we've spoken about, of course, an awful lot on this podcast, Alex Scott, because, uh, yeah, a, a pretty unusual front page, I think it's fair to say, in Guernsey Press history, really, for a local footballer to be adorning it, having made a, a £25 million move to a top flight club. Yeah, it's taken off my back page, wasn't it? Yeah, it's a, bit, <laughs> yeah. a bit frustrating when the sports misses out on a back page story because it's going front page. But yeah, it's uh, certainly breaking new ground for us in in terms of um, a Premier League footballer in in that sort of bracket of, of twenty five million pounds. But um, I think it's something we knew was probably coming at some point in in Alex's career because that's just the, the trajectory he's been taking. But uh, yeah, fantastic day for for him for Bournemouth for his family and for the Guernsey press. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. We've been watching it close up. We've been following the rumours all summer. I mean, you know, numerous clubs have been linked um, in the last few weeks. It, it kind of seemed like Wolves had got very close um, at one point. Um, yeah, Bournemouth also. Uh, linked for a few weeks uh, to the transfer and yeah eventually getting it done um and it, yeah it's really quite interesting because um yeah certainly you think going to Bournemouth um playing under their new manager Andoni Iriola um who has come to the Premier League with um yeah I, I think with sort of the football hips is quite excited to see um what he's going to do with Bournemouth um they've made some uh, interesting exciting signings and I think there is uh, quite a few people expecting them actually to outperform the kind of the, the sort of title as, as one of the relegation favorites having uh, having secured safety last season um so yeah I, I mean yeah can't wait to see how he goes now it's gonna be a little while till we see Alex on the pitch isn't it because um yeah he had missed um, Bristol City's first couple of games um with a knee injury and um yeah on the announcement of the transfer um Bournemouth saying that that injury was worse than first thought um and uh, so it turns out that well I think he's expected to miss at least the first couple of months of the season so um yeah it'll be a little while till we get to see him uh, make his debut but yeah I mean all things considered uh Gareth yeah does it seem like the right fit for him? I think it certainly does. He certainly looked extremely happy in, in his interview he did with the Bournemouth uh, in-house TV. And, um, you know, you just expect the fact they've a, a club like Bournemouth to have paid a fee like that for, for a 19-year-old sort of England under-20 international. You imagine he's going to get a good game time once he's fit and um, and he's available again. So, uh, yeah, he was linked with a couple of bigger clubs, but you don't want him sitting on the bench anywhere at this time in his career. He, he wants to be making an impact. And I think Bournemouth could be just a place for him to do that. And they, they, seemed, um, they seem to have a, a good brand of football in their opening game um, against West Ham at the weekend. I think if once Alex is fit and firing, 
he'll they'll find a slot for him in that. And um, yeah, I think Bournemouth, like you say, could surprise a few people this year, and hopefully he'll, he'll um, be a big part of that. Yeah, it won't be long, I'm sure, before we see a Bournemouth uh, shirt on the high street. <laughs> I'm sure there'll be a few around now. Um, yeah, just uh, fantastic news. Um, now, as I mentioned at the top, we had uh, arranged for Steve Lansdowne to come in for a chat about the Grand Mar um, on Friday, uh, which we're very pleased to um, uh, to have in our diary. Um, obviously, a big and exciting golf project underway down there. The renovation of the course, and um, yeah, you know, certainly um, exciting plans for how that's going to turn out. Um, but of course, the timing for us couldn't have been much better because um, yeah, Alex uh, Scott's transfer from uh, Bristol City to Bournemouth um, announced on Thursday, and Steve Lansdowne, obviously the owner of Bristol City, would have had a very busy few days uh, and few weeks, I'm sure, uh, managing that transfer from a Robin's perspective. So uh, yeah, it was great to be able to catch up with him uh, about what's going on down at the Grand Mar, about the plans for the future, the kind of events um, that he hopes to be able to hold there going forward, um, particularly um, with a view to, to some of the uh, discussions and, and commentary around sports tourism that we've had since the Island Games. Um, so I asked him about all of that, but of course had to start with the news about Alex Scott. Steve, welcome to the pod. Thanks for sparing some time. Good to see you. Yeah, glad to be here. Um, we wanted to talk about the Grand Mar, and we will talk about that hopefully in a bit of depth today. But I've got to start with Alex Scott because, um, yeah, it's been a very eventful week uh, for him and for, for your football club, Bristol City. Um, just give us a sense of your overriding emotions uh, now following his transfer to Bournemouth. Well, mixed really, because very disappointed to lose him as a player and a person. Um, but delighted uh, with the deal. Um, we worked very hard to get there. I'm talking from a Bristol City perspective now. Uh, and delighted for Alex, because obviously every player wants to play in the Premiership and uh, and uh, as much money as they possibly can in their career. And he's moved on now to, to Bournemouth, be it, become a Premiership player, and uh, I shall watch his uh, progress with interest. Yeah, I mean, could you have ever imagined uh, it would come to this, you know, when, when this sort of young man from Guernsey, where you obviously live... Um, uh, kind of made that jump, got spotted and, and, and made the jump over to Ashton Gate? Well, no, not really. Um, I think, that as, as most people would have done, you know, when, when Alex came to Bristol, he was very young. Um, he, had to, he had to develop, he had to make his mark, um, which he's done tremendously well, obviously, in a very short period of time. Um, and, uh, you know, you just hope that he would uh, progress and become a first-team player and, and, and do well. And... Uh, He's exceeded that. <laughs> yeah, it's been incredible to see his rise. I mean, when you see the way that Bristol City's social media kind of treated the um, treated his departure, you know, there's the impact he's had at Ashton Gate. I mean, have you known a young player um, that the fans have attached themselves to and become so kind of um, uh, almost synonymous with um, so soon in their career? Yeah, it's wrong to compare, you know, Alex to other players and, and the reception they get from the supporters. I mean, the supporters, as anybody at the club, has warmed to him. But I think what you have to recognise is that he's a very talented player. Um, you know, we don't put a £25 million tag on a player because just for the sake of it. He's, he, you know, he's, he's value for money. And, uh, you know, he's shown that, that, that ability, that little bit extra than a lot of players have got. And, you know, I do expect him to play for England. Um, and I expect him to do well in the Premiership. And uh, so we were very lucky in that sense to, to have him as a player. It was great to, de to develop him. We gave him the opportunity. You know, he made his debut. You know, he's played 91 games for us. And, and he's not, not quite, well, is he 20 now? I'm not quite sure what his age is. This, what, 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 what landmarks yeah, I think his birthday past. might be later this month. or Yeah, he's close day. anyway. So, you know, a couple of years he's moved from being, you know, as mainly in League Two to Premier League and, uh, you know, and played some very, uh, 
well, he got the accolades at the end of last season, young player of the year and uh, in, in, the, in the team of the year for the uh, championship. So it says it all, really. Yeah, no, incredible. And for you as uh, an owner of a football club, um, how difficult has it been to handle this situation? Because obviously it's a good problem to have in many ways. Um, well, it's, it's, it's always it's difficult for me being in Guernsey as well because everybody's asking me uh, what's going <laughs> on. And of course, I'm in the middle of it all. Um, I'm not normally, but I was more so this time because of the amounts of money involved and, and, and the hard negotiation, really. And uh, I'm sure Alex had a few harsh words for me at times over the last few weeks because, you know, the deal was on, it was off, um, and because Bournemouth wouldn't match our valuation. Eventually, we came to an agreement, um, they matched our, our valuation, and we could let the deal go through. But, uh, you know, as I said to as I said to Alex's agent, perhaps they might have sorted that deal out, the deal with 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 us out first before, you know, get, getting all excited about it. So anyway, it's all worked out well. You know, Alex is, and I will say, you know, as a, as a young man, he's 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 very level headed, very polite, very you know, uh, absolute gentleman really, and uh, deserves what he, you know the, the progress he's made. And uh, you know, I just hope he's you know he makes it. You know, I suppose, well, th- this podcast will mainly be obviously for the ears of, of Guernsey people, but there might be a few Bristol City um, supporters I'm who, sure they're who are listening. <laughs> Definitely. Um, how uh, will you now kind of approach you know, reinvesting that money or you know, what, what's the sort of transfer approach? Is, is, you know, the season started? Yeah, well, I mean, our, our approach is always to, to look for young players that we can develop. So obviously Alex was a prime example of a great success with that. We've got so a lot of other talented youngsters that have come up through our academy. Um, who are making the grade now um, and our recruitment policy is to go out and find younger players that we can develop and add value to the squad um, going forward we've already done that this year you know we, we do our deals early and that's been one of our real sort of strengths over the last few years um, and we got one or two people in mind that we think we now now Alex is because don't forget Alex was you know he was blocking other people's progress if you like in the, while he was still there so now he is gone we will find other people uh, within and without to come in and, and, and to fill the gaps so it's a natural progression all the time so we're not really suddenly going to rush out and spend the money um, we spent some of it already before he, he went in anticipation um, because we knew the demand uh, and but we will keep looking and we we're bringing players that you know we, we can develop again and move forward yeah, and I think it's generally accepted that what you've done at the club has has geared it up. It, you know, it, it's a Premier League club in waiting in many ways. Um, obviously, losing someone of Alex's calibre on the pitch will maybe take you down a peg in terms of that aspiration kind of, um, you know, competitively. Is, is that something that you still need to find a way to match? Yeah, we, you know, we've we got to bide our time really and keep keep investing in, in players and developing players um, and wait for that moment like Luton had last season where, where you know, with far less talent than we've got in our squad, to be perfectly honest, and got promotion to the Premier League. Um, and, uh, yeah, that, it's the only way we can do it because we can't compete with the parachute payments that come out of the, the Premier League. So the likes of Burnley since last year, they're way ahead of us in spend, way ahead. Um, and so we just got to build that uh, scenario. But if we can sell players for £25 million every year, you know, we're, we're building that nest egg up to, to, to be able to compete in the longer term. So I think this season, with the squad of players we've got, we've got a great chance of, you know, competing at the top end of the table. Um, and maybe we'll, we'll strike lucky. But that's that's the way we've got to look at it. Um, we, we never stop. We never stop recruiting. We never stop scouting. We never stop trying to develop our players. And obviously, we want to do as well as we possibly can. We've got a great stadium, fantastic training facilities, you know, and, and the squad is 
come in. It's a young squad. We've got some good experienced players in there as well alongside them. Um, and, and, you know, we've got the makings of, 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 a, of a promotion win inside if we can get that little bit of luck and that consistency. Yeah, and just thought finally on the on the football side of things, obviously we've got another couple of Guernsey lads there, Ben AC and Tim Apshin in the Bristol City setup. Um, do you hope that that relationship continues um, with, with Guernsey football, and that, that you know any aspiring young player would th- would see Bristol City potentially as their their first step? Well, Guernsey, but also elsewhere, because you know what what we've shown is that we give people the opportunity. We have we've developed a pathway which we are adamant we're going to stick to. Um, and those players have that opportunity to, 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 to make the grade. So when they come to us, one, they know they're going to get the opportunity, but two, they know if they really, really work hard, they'll make it to the, to the top uh, and, and be professional footballers. And the Championship is not a bad place to, you know, to cut your teeth, and hopefully that'll be a premiership in due course. Fantastic. Well, uh, yeah, big season ahead. <laughs> Lots yep. of football to be played. Um, we'll be following uh, closely. We've now got, well, there'll be a lot of Bristol City fans in Guernsey, a lot of Bournemouth fans, I'm sure, now um, <laughs> watching Alex. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a very interesting season. Um, the reason you come in, though, Steve, is to talk about golf, because you've got a big project underway, of course, at the Grand Mar. Um, can you just sort of fill us in on, on that? I mean, uh, you know, there's a lot of work going on down there. Is it all kind of on schedule and, and going to plan? Well, I'd like to say it's on schedule. Um, <laughs> it, it, but uh, like with any project like this, you, you gain a couple of weeks, you lose a few weeks, etc. Weather hasn't been kind to us this year. I mean, the weather in Guernsey this summer has been poor, hasn't it? Let's face it. Um, and those strong winds we had uh, a little while ago caused havoc. Um, but we're there. We're, 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 we're moving. In, we're still on, t- on target to open in, in summer, late summer 2025. Um, where we are at the moment is that the, the if you like, the first part of the, the golf course is um, ready to bed down for the seeding to you know, the seed has been seeded, been planted for it to grow. So people in, on on the um, Rue de Jelly side of the the course will start to see that now start to green up. Our landscaping in that area will, will develop over the, during the course of the winter. Um, so the trees will be planted and be, the foliage will become you know be put back if you like. Um, the the rest of the course will be done from really from April next year onwards for the second part of the, the second phase of the golf course development, and that will be finished as I said in in, in the summer of 2025. Um, we've got the academy being started in in um, next well in the next few weeks, um, and so that will start to go up and people will see that start to develop, and that's a major part of what we're doing. And then the clubhouse and everything else, we're we're just getting the final sign offs, which we'll do in by September, to get out for tender and to get that built and that will be you know the target is that finish at the same time so uh yeah we're looking i'm looking i date exactly i'm thinking august 2025 and maybe just after that's when we'll see the finished product yeah brilliant really exciting i mean it sounds like it's full steam ahead it um, is for sure i mean you know given that it's now sort of taking shape works well underway um how enthused are you about what it will become down there. <laughs> well, hopefully you've already heard in the tone of my <laughs> voice how exciting it is. I think what I've, what's really amazed me is the, the 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 work that goes into developing a golf course. Um, you th- you know you look at a golf course, you see fairways, you see greens, you see tees, and you see the the, the the greenery around, and you think that's it. But underneath, there's so much work that goes into it to make it what it is, and uh, it's been fascinating seeing that. It's been fascinating talking with the Robin Heisman of European Golf Design, who's who are the designers of the course, talking through how he sees the holes being played. It's you know, it's, it's, it's absolute just dirt, <laughs> but he's talking where it's going to come in from the left and it's going to go over this hump here. We're going to have a bunker there. You know, it's 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 fascinating, and 
in a way, that's one of the reasons I did it because I just, I just, it just inspired me to want to, having played at Guamar for so many years now, to say, well, it's a good course, but let's can we make it into a great course? And I think we're going to make it into a great course. It's uh, I'm really excited about what's happening and and how it's going to look when it's finished. But I, obviously, it's not nowhere near there yet. <laughs> but the progress is good. If we can build a high quality course. Um, which is different, um, a challenge in, in many ways. It doesn't have to be that long because obviously we do, we're, we're stuck with the, the area that we've got. Um, but it will be a challenging course. It'll be fantastic to play. And then that the word will spread within golfing circles and obviously we'll promote it to, on, a, on an international basis. To, and people will want to come and play. It's like bird watching in, in the sense you see a bird, you want to go and see it. There's a golf course there, you want to go and play it. So... That's the aim of the, the, the golf course would be to attract people in to come and play the course because it is so special. And it's one that is a course in the world you, you, you need to go and play because if you're a keen golfer, that's what you want to do. Yeah, it's a fantastic aspiration. Obviously, we had the Island Games this summer and off the back of that, um, sports tourism uh, kind of came to the, 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 the sort of top of conversation um, for a lot of people, I think, who are interested in sport, interested in, or sort of passionate about Guernsey. Um, is that, well, it sounds like from what you're saying that, that bringing people to the island and sports tourism is, is a big part of what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, the Island Games was a fantastic week, wasn't it? I mean, it, it was exceptional, really. Uh, you know, the, the, the way the island took to it, and the, the, not just the, the, the athletes, but the, uh, the, 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 the viewers, you know, the, the spectators. Um, you know, it was just brilliant, absolutely brilliant atmosphere all week. And, and I think that got everybody excited. Uh, my advice to everybody is just let's, let's take a few days afterwards just to calm down before we start talking about it. I think uh, sports term is something that uh, Guernsey can benefit from. Certainly that's what we're doing with golf. The only thing I would say is that what Guernsey has to look at is the facilities that it's got. And, uh, you know, we had this big debate some time ago and go into why, whether it was good or bad, but with the, you know, the potential of the British Lions to come and train here or England to come, to come and train here. We don't have those facilities. If we want that sort of tourism, then we have to look to, to invest in that infrastructure. You've got to have proper training ground. You've got to have a proper pitch to, to play on and, and so on. And I think that's where some of the, the, the areas we're a bit short on. But enthusiasm for sport, without a shadow of doubt, you know, Guernsey has got it in, in droves. And... Uh, uh, and it's the it's the picking those opportunities to get the you know in the right sports and in the right people to get here cycling, walking, running, you know all those types of sports for you know no problem, but things like football for instance or rugby is it, we've got to look we've got to, we're going to have to invest a bit more. Do you think there's value in investing? I mean, if if we were to find a way to to make that happen, would there be a return? Yeah, would would it kind of wash its face locally? Um, that's difficult to say. I think you've got to do the you've got to do the the, the, the maths on it, and I haven't, so I'd, I'd be guessing. So I'm just talking like as an enthusiast here, in a way. Um, but yeah, if you, the, the whole principle behind what we're doing with the Gomar, and I think in, in, in tourism generally, is, is to give people a reason to come to the island. You know, you, people come to the island because it's quaint. They come because of the history of the island. They come because the cliffs and, you know, and and cycling through the lanes and so on. It's lovely to do and everything else. But if you're going to go for, if they're going to come for sport, there's got to be a real reason. And then, and you've got to then see how you're going to pay for that. So, you know, you're talking about hotels. Um, you're talking about, as I said, good good facilities um, and and things for them to do. Well, I think we can find things for them to do. It's the first two that we're, we're probably lacking on the island at the moment that says, you know, if you're going to bring 
basically, if you bring a rugby team over, you'd probably bring in 30 to 40 people plus staff. So say 50 people. So you have to have accommodation for them near the near the training facilities, got a good facilities for them to train, good gyms, et cetera, et cetera. So those are the sort of things that we're we're not quite there yet. Yeah, because we've seen Jersey do that, obviously, with their Strive Academy. Um, that's clearly very attractive. Um would Guernsey, you know, as, as a sort of a professional um, sports owner, I mean, would, would Guernsey be an attractive place to bring a professional team? Well, it's, it's, it's attractive and not more attractive than Jersey. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, no, it would, because I think the, the, the one thing, the, what you've got to remember is who are you competing with? And I suppose the obvious answer is Dubai. And we haven't got that sunshine, um, which is... Definitely well, nice. yeah, I'll take a bit of it now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing. So that you're competing with the, with those sort of people and the facilities that they can build. So, but no, I think the the the, the if you if you get it right here, then people will want to come here. It's because it, it's it's close. Um, the language is there's not a problem. Um, you know, food and everything else is not not an issue. So, I think all those sort of things stack up. But you've got to have that facility in the first place. Is it worth investing into? Is it worth f- focusing attention on that? That's that's something that somebody else will have to work out, really. But but you've got to do the maths and everything else to see what the return on investment would be. And on the golf side of things, then obviously you know you you, you spoke before about the the caliber of course that you're creating down at the Grand Mar. Have you started to think about the kind of events that you might be able to attract there? I mean, is it kind of what what level do you think you could reach at this point? Oh, I think we can. You know, sky's the limit. Um, but that's me <laughs> thinking that. No, I think first of all just. Just talking golf, um, we'll be looking to service the golf holiday market um, uh, in, in the main. I, in the way I described earlier, you know, people wanted to play the course coming, but groups of men, women, um, but firms coming to, to um, for team building. Um, it would be a fantastic area to do that. Within the, within the club the clubhouse itself or the, the country club itself, we'll be looking at uh, hosting events, um, maybe there'd be arts exhibitions or there might even be musical uh, type uh, arrangements or, but just generally meeting, uh, we, we design it so that we can provide small areas and larger areas um, in a fantastic location. Um, we will want other, we will want other hotels in the area in, in the island to provide accommodation so it's not all, you know, other people benefit as well as ourselves. But I, I can see the opportunity to go out there and I think they call it the mice market, which is incentive. So incentive travel is the way to do it. So firms, given that their top earners or their, their key staff, um, a, 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 a treat in some ways to go and go away from where they, they, they work, keep together, uh, come up with ideas, brainstorm yeah. in, in, a, in a fantastic environment and, and, and enjoy you know, visiting places and things at the same time. The Grand Mar be perfect for that. So all those sort of things. You know, on the sports side, I mean, could, do, do you see the Grand Mar hosting big professional tournaments? Is that a possibility? I, I think where we go, I mean, the course won't be big enough to hold um, PGA tours, I don't think, but certainly maybe the ladies. Um, I think we, we would certainly be looking to see whether we can get one of the latest two events here, which would be first first class. You know, who knows? Solemn Cup might be political. I don't know. I think that's probably going a step too far, but we'll try. Um, I've participated in, in, in Jersey the last couple of years in the Legends Tour, which with you know, which has got senior pros, you know, ex major winners playing in it, uh, together with uh, amateurs like myself <laughs> and everything else. But it's a great competition over th- three to four days. Um, and we'll be looking to host things like that as well. So I think we can have some high quality events there. 
besides the, the inter-insulars that uh, always attract attention. Um, but I think in reality, we're looking to, yeah, have the court, have a, the best course available to host events, whether they are if like international events or whether they're corporate events or whether it's just for Guernsey community and Guernsey members. That's exciting prospect for sure. Mm. Um, I've got to ask you about some of the reaction. There has been a bit of negativity about some aspects of the project. Um, have you been surprised by that? Um, look, whenever you do a project like this, there's always going to be people that like it and don't, and some people that don't like it. Um, and so I'm not surprised. I'm disappointed in some ways with, in, with, with the vitriol that comes out. Um, but, you know, I've, I've been in football for so long and I've got used to the social media and I've been called all sorts of uh, names by various people over the, the 20 odd years I've been involved in football. So I'm, I'm used to all that aspect of it. I think what I would say to people is, look, the, the, the reality of it is that for, for us to create what we want to create, we, we have we have to create a mess first. Um, but give it time for to, to develop. Look at the finished product and then comment on it. Because um, I think they'll be very very pleased with what they see at the end of the day. They'll be very pleased with what we're doing with the with the area, and they'll be very very pleased at the at the benefit it brings to Guernsey. Um, but to judge things too early is is a mistake. Are there any changes that that you'll make or can make to alleviate some of the concerns? Well, it'll all be down to the landscaping and what we do there. So, I mean, that, as I mentioned earlier, the landscaping it will will start to kick in this autumn, um, and so we start to see things um, grow, being put in the ground, and so you can see where where the, the woodland side of things are going to be, and, the, and 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 how that's going to develop, and how that offsets. Um, the buildings and so on that are there. So I think you've got to wait for that to come along. And then once we've got all that in place, we'll, we'll look at it again and say, well, hang on, we can we can fill that gap with something else or we can do something there. But until we're in that position, we can't really judge. People want an answer before you've done it. And I can't give them an answer at this point. I could give them an answer in maybe six months, 12 months, 18 months time. But at this point in time, it's very difficult to say, I can do this to, to, to mitigate something because until you've, you, we've got plans of what we're doing, until they're in place, we can't see whether they're working or not, or we can improve them. So that's what that's what will happen. It's, it's an evolving process. Yeah, and back to what you're going to create down there. You mentioned the academy, which is a core part of it. Um, we've seen some fantastic stuff going on, some fantastic work going on in, lo- in local golf with youth development. Is it something that you think Grandma can really um, kind of build upon and, and, and help to... Um just to, to foster even further? Yeah, we, I mean, we're not looking to replace, we're looking to add to. And, and uh, you know, what we're going to have is, first of all and foremost, is a, you know, is a, it will be a PGA accredited academy there. Um, it will have a, a superb train, you know, um, bays and all the equipment to track where your ball should go and shouldn't <laughs> go. Um, we'll have a fa- fabulous driving range there that, uh, you know, gives a four driving, you know, golfing experience to, and to practice with and, and so on. Um, yeah, and we'll be looking to encourage young players to come. Well, we want them to join the Grand Mar, but come into the come into the Grand Mar and 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 benefit from that and 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 develop as golfers and get more people playing golf. I mean, the one thing that COVID showed to us all was that golf is a sport you can play even in a pandemic. So again, it's got that benefit of saying, well, let's make sure we give people every opportunity to be as good as they can and enjoy the game of golf. Yeah, and how are you keeping your own game in check? Are you, are you going to be in top form by the time it opens? I hope so, because it's awful at the moment. <laughs> I, I always remember when I first bought the Gormar and I was up in uh, Newcastle at rugby and um, talking to somebody else who'd, and, I, and I made the comment. I said, ever since I bought the course, my game has been awful. 
And you say, well, that's just that's natural. Every time you buy a golf course, because <laughs> you, 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 you tend to go around looking at what you can do here, what you can do there, and you forget about concentrating on your game. So, yeah, I enjoy playing. I don't take it that seriously. I can't. Um, and uh, um, I'm enjoying it. But, uh, yeah, I'd like to think my hand it would come down a bit more, I suppose. Yeah. But I'm, I think I'm going to – I'm working on the basis at the moment, I think, of being the highest handicapper in the club by the time it opens. <laughs> Great of that. And how did you get on to that Legends Tour event? <laughs> oh, that was a bit of an embarrassment, if I'm honest. <laughs> Okay, well, we'll move on. Yeah. Less said the better. Um, you mentioned the Island Games just before. I mean, and, and kind of Guernsey's love for sport. Um, for someone who's obviously so heavily involved, or has, has been so heavily involved in professional sport, when you saw the Island Games and, and the kind of the, the love of, of competing for, you know, a small, for small islands for the, for the, for the, just for the sport itself, was that a real kind of tonic? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, when I first came to Guernsey, the thing I loved about the, the island and certainly the sporting island was how everybody participated and everybody worked very hard at doing it and the organisation of it. I mean, we we all forget about the people that put in the hundreds of hours for other people to enjoy their sport and they usually do it for nothing um, and they should always be appreciated. And, and there's a lot of that goes on in the island. There's a lot of, uh, you know, um, gratuitous work that uh, people put in to support others. And, and you see... I mean, we got some top quality athletes, you know, and, and I think what the Island Games did showed was how good Guernsey sport is. I mean, I know we, we were at home and we won a lot of medals in that regard, but, you know, the enthusiasm for it was was, was tremendous. Certainly, well, I mean, cycling, swimming, you know, Guernsey should be proud of its sport and, and, and how it goes about it um, and, and just really appreciate what, you know, because it leads to a healthy lifestyle and... Uh, you know, Nelson Mandela said, you know, sport brings people together. And I think the island came together in that week in a big way. Fantastic. Well, you've got a lot going on, Steve. So uh, we really appreciate you sparing some time to come and have a chat. Um, and yeah, looking forward to seeing uh, seeing the golf course green up and take shape. Yeah, thank you. I'm looking forward to it myself and uh, we'll, have a, we'll have a round one day. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> Steve Lansdowne speaking to me there. Um, yeah, Gareth, as a, as a big golf man, um, what are your hopes for, for the Grand Mar? Um, and, and kind of what, what do you make of the, the, the massive investment and, and efforts that's going in down there to, to renovate it? I think it's fantastic for Guernsey Golf, Tony, and, and, and for the island as a whole. And you just, you just know the fact that Steve Lansdowne sort of behind this, that it's going to be a fantastic golf course. Um, it's great that they've got that extra sort of land where they're building a couple of new holes to extend it. It's, it's a nice golf course, or it has been a nice golf course um, in recent times. It's, uh, it's well looked after, but the, it sort of had its limitations with, with the area that they could cover. Um, but now that the project is sort of fully underway, and I mean, I've been down there doing a bit of reporting on the nine holes that are open, and just the the rest of the whole um, site is just it's it's progressed so quickly. Um, you just you just know that um, everything's being done properly, but also um, with no um, mishaps and things like that. So I just think it'll be a fantastic place to play. It'll be a very different sort of test to what we've got um, elsewhere on the island. And um, yeah, fingers crossed it, it does what Steve would like it to do, and that is attract more people over to the island to, to play the sport. Yeah, where, where do you see it fitting in kind of locally? Obviously, you know, the big kind of domestic and interinsular fixtures tend to be played at, at, at you know, Lancres 
Ross, clearly. Um, do you think there's a role for the Grand Mar going forward in, in those kind of matches? I think there is with the with the lengthening of the course. You know, when uh, currently it's sort of like where it has been a, a past 64. It's just been too short for certainly for the men's intrinsula. It has hosted like um, I think it's hosted a, a junior intrinsula, um, a seniors match, and it might have even hosted. It's certainly hosted women's um, island finals. Um, so it, it's sort of got a bit of history in that, but. Uh, the lengthening of the course and the in- increase up to about a past 68, I think they're aiming for, um, just makes it far more viable for them to, to hold a, um, the big men's intrinsic challenge trophy match. And I'm sure sort of down the line, um, it could end up the way Jersey is. Jersey sort of alternate between Grooveville and Lemoy. At the moment, every time it's here, it is at Lancres. I mean, Lancres is in fantastic condition at the moment. It's, it's a wonderful golf course, but it would be just nice. And it probably give us a bit more home advantage if we, if we were able to rotate uh, the way jersey do yeah brilliant and um talking about interinsular golf um it's basically just around the corner isn't it and we've got uh, well teams for all four interinsular matches that are going to be taking place um the juniors and the seniors here in guernsey and uh, the men's and women's over at lemoy um and the yeah the most recent team that we've had in today uh from dave jeffrey as a team manager is the men's interinsular team um his uh squad um, for that fixture, uh, Danny Bisson, Danny Blondel, Jamie Blondel, Tom Lee Hire, Steve Maie, uh, Connor McKenna, Rory McKenna, Jez Nicol, Tom Patimore and Jaden Tucknot. Um, what do you make of that, Gareth? Um, it's a very strong side, Tony. I must admit, it's um, it's great to see those three juniors in there. There's going to be three debutants in the McKenna brothers, Connie and, uh, Connor and Rory and Jaden Tucknot. Um Perhaps in the past, if, if a junior had been selected for the Ireland side with, well, perhaps with the possible exception of Wally Chedone recently, obviously, um, it, you know, you might have had a question mark over whether they've done enough or what have you. And the funny thing is, I just sort of just before Dave selected this side, I almost started picking my own. And I think Conor McKenna and Jaden Tutnall were almost the first two names on it because they've just been that good this year. Uh, Conor's currently the lowest handicap player on the island, not just junior, that's everyone in the island. And um, Jaden Tutnall has had a phenomenal year, obviously reaching the men's Island final. Really unlucky to lose that final. Uh, he's a CI junior champion. He's gone away. He's won five different tournaments in, in the UK. Um, he's been playing so well. And uh, obviously, Connor and Rory won the um, the elite men's foursomes back in back in the spring. So um, the fact that those three juniors are in there is certainly not just just to give them an experience. It's because they're, they're three of the best players in the island, as things stand. And the rest of them, obviously, the four guys who won gold in the in the Island Games uh, team golf. They were obviously going to be in it, providing they were available. And yeah, there's there's sort of no real surprises there, but it looks a really strong side and. Um, and it's going to be hard at Lemoy, but Guernsey hasn't got a bad record at Lemoy. When they go away, I mean, we haven't got a very good record at all at Grooville, but Lemoy is a place we, we have won in, in fairly recent uh, history. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd fancy our chances because we've got some, some good players and they're all in good form. Yep, the men go across, uh, well, it's the weekend of the 9th and 10th of September, same weekend as the women and Sue Welfare uh, has named her team as well. Um, Veronica Bugall, Di Aitchison, Chloe Godion, Sally Ingrall, Chloe Domar, Mary Mary Bates, Mandy Webber, uh, Michaela, Stacey Goldberg, Chloe Gallagher, Brackley and Di Stenner, um, the women's squad heading over there. Uh, yeah, once again, a, a real mix of, of uh, experience and youth, a couple of young faces in there um, and, and sort of spearheaded by uh, women's CI champion Veronica Bagoy, who's um, still at the top of her game. Yeah. 
She's a remarkable lady, Veronica, and yeah, it was great to see her win the, the CI title this year, and that was in Jersey, so, um, you know, it, it's the, the Guernsey team that's been named is, is sort of pretty familiar to most people, with the exception of um, Chloe Gallagher-Brackley, who's, who's a newcomer to the island, and um, she, it's nice to see a fresh face in there, but uh, yeah, like you say, I think the, the age range is, is very much a, a blend of youth and experience, um, but they should go there in, in fine fettle, and uh, it was good to see uh, Chloe Gody on, she was featuring for Hampshire last week in in junior county match week and she had uh, a couple of good results there so um, yeah things are looking positive for the women as well yeah great stuff and the juniors and seniors also in action uh, here in guernsey the weekend before just quickly run through those two teams um the senior team uh, captained by dave jeffrey uh, is bobby ego daniel griggs nigel vodan uh, neil tangy dave nicole mick marley andy boyd Lyndon DeCartra, Jeff Orme and Alan Lanuri. And the junior squad are managed by Andre Austin, uh, Connor and Rory McKenna, Tanner Austin, Jaden Tocknot, Alex Mills, Lewis Marley, Noah Davey, James Troop, Thomas Chamberlain and Max Raffray. Um, so yeah, really strong junior lineup there as well when you consider three of them are playing in the uh, uh, yeah the open uh, interinsula. Yeah, and, and I believe Tanner Austin is the men's reserve as well because he's had a fantastic year, um, especially in the scratch league. He's been outstanding in the singles. He, he's he's won every match he's played against some of the best players in the island. So, um, yeah, it's a very strong Guernsey team in, the, in that junior interinsula. Yeah, I'm sure they're going with high hopes there on home soil. Um, Right, I think that's just about it from us for this week. It's been a busy one. Um, it's been a, a really interesting, exciting week for Guernsey Sports. That's great. Um, quick word on the rugby, because Raiders got underway with their preseason preparations last weekend against haven't beaten them on the club pitch and they've got their sort of main showpiece uh, warm-up haven't they this weekend hosting Rotherham uh, in front of the grandstand on Saturday afternoon so uh, yeah more coverage of that to come this week anything else to watch out for? Um, and it'll be the culmination of the CR League uh, round robin cricket um, and Griffins if they having had a really good win last week against St. Juan Springfield if they win their final game they actually um, pip St. Juan to the, to the place in the final so it'll be a, a big weekend for them at the KG5 and we must mention the under-19s um, because yeah they were in action uh, as we heard about last week over in the Netherlands as well and in, the, in their Europe qualifier didn't quite make it um, in the end uh, to the World Cup Scotland topping the table and sealing that qualification place but definitely doing themselves proud in the process finishing second above Jersey um, which is a fantastic result even though they were beaten um, by their rivals in the final game a much shortened T20 game um, but yeah two really good wins for them and um, yeah I'm sure uh, a week they'll be proud of. Yeah it's great that they managed to, uh, to sort of secure a top three place which means they shouldn't have to drop back down into Division 2 which is the tournament we hosted last year and got promoted from and yeah I, I, as far as I understand it having spoken to our coach Ben Furbrush it was Scotland were sort of a class apart they were almost very professional in the way they went about it but for Guernsey to sort of like compete and finish basically best of the rest is, is a, just a great achievement for that for that young group and um, certainly sort of three or four of them will be pushing for senior honours in, in the near future I'd have thought. Yeah great stuff right I think that's it from us um, make sure you pick up a copy of the paper Monday to Saturday for the very best local sports coverage and uh, more on all of the stories we've spoken about um, today we're also on Facebook Twitter Instagram and threads at GSY Pressport, the place to find us there. And if you're not already, do hit follow or subscribe on whichever podcast platform you're using um, to get every episode delivered straight into your feed. Um, right, our thanks once again to Upgrade Fitness for their support. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Cheers, Tony. Cheers, Tony.